Every lady needs a hobby. A Miss Fisher's murder mystery podcast. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Genevieve. This week we are reviewing season two, episode two. Death comes knocking. <laughs> oh, I was gonna knock. You got there first. Um, <laughs> Gotta be quick to the knock. Well, before we get into this week's episode, which is a favorite of mine, I just want to say that, listeners, if you are enjoying our podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe on iTunes, maybe leave us a rating, and also we love hearing from you. So anytime you want to send us a message, please feel free. If you have questions, comments, concerns, corrections, we welcome them all. Yes, and we recently on Twitter, um, after the episode where the brain is fished out with the embalming hook, we (laughs) received a message on Twitter that that assuring us that that is not part of a doctor's training in the United Kingdom. So glad for that assurance. Still curious about what it would take to fish someone's brain out through their nose with an embalming hook, but. Yeah, and listeners, if you've done it, I actually don't want to know. So please don't write to us about that. (laughs) Yeah, actually, it'd probably be best if you got that to yourself. (laughs) But I am curious. Maybe just private message us if you've done that. Yeah, maybe anonymously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, you can also find our podcast on Spotify. Um, I listen to podcasts on an app called Podcast Addict, and it's also on there. And I use Stitcher, Um, and we are also available on Stitcher. So... No excuse. No excuse not to be listening to every episode. <laughs> okay. Especially now, now that we're in season two. I mean, like, exciting. Things are heating up. They are. Um, so, yeah, what did you think of this episode overall? I mean, you said it was your one of your favorites, so I'm assuming you feel positively overall about this episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I would say it's, like, top five, but I do like it. Uh, I think I like the I kind of like the romantic interest I like obviously the jealousy the just like the jack action I appreciate um what I don't like about it is that there's a lot going on and it's a little confusing I actually found it less confusing this time than previous times that I was watching it but that's probably because I was taking extensive notes um I just yeah I found it hard to take notes on this episode because it's all just like flashback this flashback that whereas normally it's like one person is stabbed and we have to figure out who why and how but um I I actually literally watched this and took notes and then just turned around and put it back on and watched it again while I like worked out (laughs) yeah it's a good episode it's a better episode than I remembered like I don't think of it as one of my favorites, but on watching it through, I'm like, oh, I actually really enjoy this. And it's probably just overshadowed by the next episode, which is probably my favorite episode. So I always just jump straight to that one if I'm, you know, wanting some Miss Fisher in my life. Oh, yeah, I do like the next one. Yeah. Um, but I I also just think about this one that there weren't a lot of moments where I felt that it was unrealistic. Like, you know, there weren't, there weren't moments where I was mm-hmm. like, what are they doing? That would never happen. I don't know. I mean, it is a little silly, but as as it always right. is, but. And really two out of the three murders were pretty, like you could see them happening in real life. Mm-hmm. Like Larry killing Roland kind of on the battlefield. You know, that seems like something that if it seems like that guy was a real jerk and that seems realistic. And then like the woman accidentally killing the guy in the graveyard yeah, like, you can see how that would happen. You were surprised, and you had a crowbar, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was was quite petite, so that, I mean, I feel like it would be more realistic for her to just knock him out, but I mean, whatever, you know. Yeah, anyways. I don't, he probably didn't have to die for the plot of the episode, but anyways. Yeah. All right, 
Shall we get into it? Yes. Um, so normally at this point, I would say the cold open is, but it really wasn't a cold open this week. I think this might be the only time this ever happens where we open the episode with our main characters. You know, it's not. Yeah, that's true. So we're not seeing the murder right away. And it's just a, a weird seance going on at Miss Fisher's house. Um, and everybody's kind of there. It's like Miss Fisher, Aunt Prudence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then also, like, a, a medium, or I don't know what you call her. I In my notes, I'm just calling her uh, Madam Ball What's-It. Uh, <laughs> is it Ball She's Con- a spiritualist. A spiritualist. Which you're in luck, because I researched spiritualism. Oh, great. Great. I'm glad that you did that. Um, and I guess there are... So there are some other people there, um, and they're calling a spirit from the spirit world, a man named Roland, who turns out to be Aunt Prudence's godson. He was killed mm-hmm. in combat. And then we get some World War One flashbacks, uh, like lots of dudes getting shot and charging around and stuff. Um, and we also hear that Freddy, one of the men at the seance, doesn't remember the brave deeds for which he has been awarded a medal. Yeah. And he needs to know. That's why the seance is happening. Yeah. So at this point, I think we know that um, the godson, Roland, was killed. Freddie may have had some kind of heroic part in that, but um, we don't know what it is. And also, uh, Freddie is has like a lot of doubts about it. And Freddie also um, has like sort of a little panic attack uh, and starts coughing. Yeah, yeah. Freddie is in in a bad way. And the fla- in the flashback, well, no, the medium says Basil is here with me too, which is definitely important later. Um, and then. In the flashback, we do see Roland getting shot, but we don't see who shoots him. Right, exactly. And then, uh, additionally, you know, once Freddie gets sick, Miss Fisher insists that he and his wife Maud stay the night at their house. Um, and because, you know, it wouldn't be a very good story if they had to just go back to their own house and they weren't getting up to shenanigans in Miss Fisher's. And, um... <laughs> Madame Ball, what's it? The spiritualist woman is quite upset that the circle was not properly closed. And the spirit is at large. She dun, dun. she can't be held responsible for what happens if that spirit is not, you know, whatever, sent back to its room with no supper. Turns out she will be held responsible for what happens. She will be, yeah. <laughs> I like, it's pretty bold of her, actually, to say I can't be held responsible because, according to the law... <laughs> She's going to be held responsible. Yeah. So. Um, oh, and then we also hear Freddie say after his panic attack, he's like, I just don't remember. I don't remember. But that he does remember that he heard a gunshot after the shelling was over, which is also important later on. True. And then also not important, but humorous. We f- finally get a, a brief kitchen scene where Dot and Mr. Butler sort of make fun of spiritualists and refer to the medium as a charlatan. Yes. Um, this is also what prompted me to research spiritualism because Dot says that um, she's surprised that Aunt Prudence is a life member of the spiritualist society. And this prompted my memory because this other book I was reading called Husband Hunters, which is, it was pretty interesting. Um, but it was about American heiresses who married into British royalty in like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Oh, I've heard about that too, like Gilded Age heiresses funneling their cash into the British aristocracy who needed it. Yes. 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 Um, very Downton Abbey, um, era. But 
Well, Cora. In that, they talked about one of the, like, society ladies that was a spiritualist and kind of, like, briefly mentioned it. So when I heard this, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, like, a, a, it was kind of, like, in vogue during that time period. Well, it was huge in the Victorian era. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I looked it up, and it reached, it's a, it was a, like, religious movement, basically, that reached its peak, peak growth in mem- membership from the 1840s to the 1920s. Um and by 1897, it was said to have more than 8 million followers in the U.S. and Europe, mostly drawn from the middle and upper classes. Um, there's also in the murder mystery genre an episode of Midsummer Murders, which is like more a contemporary show, um, but it involves a spiritualist society and a murder. Ooh, fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um, anyways, it was also interesting, I looked it up, that many prominent spiritualists were women, and um, they supported causes like the abolition of slavery and women's suffrage, and um, I assume that's kind of why it was uh, included in Miss Fisher, because most of the historical references have something to do with those themes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you think in um, in 1928 in Australia did women have the right to vote? I don't believe so. Hmm. When did when did women get the right in in the U.S.? I think it was like 1914 or something, well, wasn't it? 1920. 1920 or 1919 or 1920? Yeah. Huh. Uh, 1895, women's suffrage. Cool. Oh, that was before slightly before the U.S. Unfortunately, this <laughs> Wikipedia article does not mention whether or not Aunt Prudence in particular was a advocate for women's suffrage. Why? Anne Prudence, a fictional character, should be in that article. I mean, she's like a founding member of the Melbourne Spiritualist Society. So yeah, so. She's important. Um, there Also, there are still spiritualist churches today, so we could go check one out. There are churches? Is there one in Boston? I, don't, I didn't look What is it, up. just like a giant Ouija board? Well, so, the other thing that I, as I was reading about this, when it originally started, it was like sort of unorganized, but it's become more formalized now. So I think it's probably more... I wouldn't say it's like a traditional church, but a little more organized than it was back in the day. All right. Well, I hope they're speaking in tongues and stuff. I don't think that's that's um, but, different. But I mean, <laughs> like if you get possessed by a spirit that speaks another language, oh, can you then yeah. speak that language? I hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> I know, right? Unless the point is to find out who murdered the person. Yes, I mean, I think uh, 90% of seances are to solve murders, so. Yeah, well, it certainly was in that movie that I loved when I was a kid with the girls. Now and then, yes, they were trying to solve a murder. This, I mean, basically is the same plot as this episode. Basically, I loved that movie. I should watch that movie again. Okay, it's which... probably really stupid on the rewatch. Oh, yeah. Anyways, back to the episode. We also learn, of course, that F- Father Grogan says that dabbling in the occult is a mortal sin. So Dot is very unsettled by all of this. <laughs> so then the next scene, uh, we go to a graveyard where a man gets bludgeoned and then speared on a fence. And this kind of seems like this should have been the cold open. Like, this would normally be the cold open. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm unclear about when this happens. Is it the night of the seance or the night before? I think it's the night of the seance because she knows that Larry, the Batman, the valet guy, right. um, what? killed Roland and she, they don't want Freddy to remember. Right. Why did you just so, refer to him as the Batman? Because that's what they refer to him in the show. I also looked this up because it comes up a lot in like British books and stuff. Where it's like someone's Batman is their... It's an officer's personal servant. Da-na-na-na-na-na-na. In the British arms. 
that man. <laughs> um, so like also that. So like Thomas was was Matthew Crawley's Batman in yeah. Down Abbey. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, and the. I also looked up the origin of it because I was like, I do not understand why you would call someone a Batman because <laughs> anyways. Also, imagine taking the... your servant to war. Like, can we just, can we just like review the fact that like these people took a personal servant to do what? Like button their <laughs> uniform. And then did that, that. Take them tea. And that person also was then expected to fight. Like what? <laughs> That's the aristocracy for you. I guess so. <laughs> um. So then our boys in blue or really just one in blue the other one in like a beige trench coat uh show up to investigate at the graveyard um and what a coincidence turns out this murder occurred at roland claremont's like tomb which is in some sort of weird mausoleum or something and dun dun, yeah which makes it very convenient for breaking into all note oh for sure yeah um so then Miss Fisher shows up uh, with all her friends in tow. Uh, what a coincidence. And, <laughs> and we find out that the deceased was Ernie Potts, a grave digger. And um, we also learn that it's all very incestuous. Freddie was Roland's best friend, and he has married Roland's widow, Maud. Weird. <laughs> and then the, I love this scene, the way Jack and Friday interact in this scene, because, like, obviously it's a crime scene. Jack's there. Miss Fisher follows, wearing a fantastic coat like an ankle length velvet coat but jack pretends not to want her there but he's smiling so i don't think he's disappointed to see her yes yes i think it's it's interesting it's like he feels he must protest when she shows up at his crime scenes but he doesn't mean it anymore no he doesn't um and then friday's just like well they're all staying with me so you'll have to come visit how convenient (laughs) i'll make sandwiches (laughs) (laughs) and she just looks so pleased that like jack's coming over indeed um so then back at shay fisher um jack is questioning an an angry aunt prudence um and we find out that aunt prudence is one of the lucky few that madame ball what's it agreed to offer her spiritualist service to do while in melbourne um, which apparently was merit-based, but I think it might have had something to do with her massive fortune. I'm not sure. Hard to say. Well, it had everything to do with her manager's connection to Freddie. Yeah. Well, that's all confusing. I mean, more on that later, but I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm not sure what the implications are of that whole bit, but... Okay, we also find out that uh, Aunt Prudence paid a fortune to return Roland's remains from France, which is a great foreshadowing the fact that we're going to get a good look at those remains later. Yeah, just all yeah, brown like, and mummified. Maybe more of a look than, than we needed, but yeah, well, it is a television show, so dramatic emphasis. Yeah, some gruesomeness is always on order. Um, so then Jack, I think next... Um, in, oh, no, wait. Next we find out that uh, Warwick Hamilton, Ball What's It's manager, has sent roses to Miss Fisher. Oh, <laughs> uh, and Jack is emanating jealousy in this scene oh, because and... Friday is just gushing about those flowers. Oof, Jack's never sent flowers. But he he's jealous, but I'll note that in this scene, he's leaning very comfortably um, on Friday's china cabinet. He's doing one of his, like, classic Jack leans on the china cabinet, <laughs> and he's just like pretty comfortable in there and he doesn't seem that intimidated by Warwick. He's like, who are you trying to supplant me? Good luck. (laughs) I'll arrest you before too long. 
Um, and then in this scene, uh, Mrs. Bull What's It immediately starts baiting Jack, um, which is like basically the best thing she does all episode. Yes. Um, she's also very concerned about lingering hostile spiritual energy. Could it be the murderer? Dun dun. <laughs> um, I, I forget exactly what she says in this scene. Does she say like true love can't be denied or? Yeah, she, she like looks at Jack's hand and says, true love must never be denied. And he, like, immediately looks at Friday and then, like, looks away. Oh, yeah, very pointed. He glances over at her and then back, which is, like, I mean, that's, like, fifth grade 101, like, how to tell if your crush likes you. Like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, well, and everyone picks up on it because they all say things to both Jack and Friday about how much, like, sway they have on each other, so. Yes. (laughs) It's a little obvious. Yes. I also love Jack's response to Mrs. Balkonski in this scene because he's like, she's like all concerned about the door being open. And he's like, there's nothing spiritual about a man being impaled on a fence. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, I mean, I love when she tells him that his greatest passion is at hand and he has to pursue it. And he says that he won't pursue it unless it's the the ham, cheese, and mustard pickle sandwich. <laughs> and you can just see Miss Fisher is clearly lingering yes. in the background to listen in on this conversation. What could it be? What could, who? What is the greatest passion? I don't think it's the sandwich. And she, like as he turns out of the room, she just like flees, <laughs> just passing by. <laughs> uh. Um, and then I believe that, uh, Jack decides to question the the valet, or the valet, next. What's his name? Larry? Larry. Uh, yeah. Um, because Freddie is just, like, not well enough to be questioned. Yeah, the key thing is Mrs. Balkonski, like, clutches her chest. Mm-hmm. Complains of her heart. So yes. that's the key thing. Um. She also notices, then, she just, notices that Miss Fisher has a way with Jack. I yes. also have noted. Well, no, Warwick says that she seems to have a way with it. Oh, yes, so right. And then she, she tries... Oh, I think that that Warwick was thinking that maybe Miss Fisher was going to be a conquest, and then Jack shows up leaning on the china cabinet, and Warwick is getting a little worried about his conquest. Ooh, he smells blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, then she tries to bait him a little bit by mentioning all the many possible scams that they could be using for their seances and <laughs> he's heard them all and mrs ball what's it is the real deal mrs ball what's it knows what she's doing and you need to just shut up <laughs> that's pretty much what warwick says and yeah. how he sounds and how he talks yeah exactly um and he insists that mrs ball what's it is legit and he knows because he lost his brother in the war blah 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 whatever that's how he found her yeah and she helped him find peace mackenzie this reminds Can you begrudge him that? I can't begrudge him that. So then we get another brief kitchen interlude where um, we learn that the Larry the Valet worked for Maud's parents. He's so worried about her. She gets so upset about Freddie's health. He's, you know, let's <laughs> gossip amongst the staff. Dun-dun. Yes. And then next up, this very same Valet Larry uh, tries to force some laudanum on Freddie who does not want it. And he nevertheless sneaks it into his tea, which is very suspicious, which, of course, must mean that this is a red herring. <laughs> well, I mean, he is one of the murderers. Yes. He's just not the murderer of Freddy. That's true. Um, 
Also, Phryne sees him doing this and gives him a look. She does. And it's interesting that she doesn't mention it, you know? Seems like normally she would mention it. Yeah, she would just, like, pipe up, but I don't know. Yes. I would also like to note that in this scene, it appears, and, and every scene afterwards, it appears that Freddy is wearing a some sort of cheetah print cravat. I don't think it's okay, actually so- cheetah print, but it very much appears to be. I had that in my notes, too. I was like, Freddy is wearing a, like, leopard print I called it an ascot, though I don't think it's technically an ascot. ascot. I think you might be right that it's a cravat. There's a subtle Anyways, difference. And then I studied it closely, and it is, in fact, small paisleys. Interesting. Well, I mean, if it looks like a cheetah and it walks like a cheetah or a leopard. <laughs> anyway, more on that later. It's a paisley cravat. <laughs> So then, um, Freddie goes out to the garden where Miss Fisher, Miss Fisher goes to, to speak to him. He's very upset. He can't take it all. Uh, it seems like he definitely has some PTSD from the war and he fears that there's some dark, hideous truth hidden in his mind, which of course we all believe is the fact that he in fact killed Roland. Um, yeah. And then he has a dispatch report from the day that Roland was killed. He was mentioned in the dispatch. Yes. Um, and that he carried Roland off the battlefield, but he just doesn't remember any of it. Yeah. And that bothers him, and I, that would bother me, too. <laughs> yes, definitely understand that. Um, he would be upset about that. Yes. Uh, so then we cut to City South, where Miss Fisher is draped luxuriously across Jack's desk <laughs> like she's the Little Mermaid, uh, with just a huge <laughs> white fur stole on. <laughs> Uh, the first stole makes a, another appearance after being cleansed of its blood from the Doc murder. Oh, yeah. Is that the same one? I believe so. Oh, man. She wears it a lot. Dot works miracles. I know. Do you think the prop department just had, like, more than one, though? They probably did. Well, yes. <laughs> no, I think Dot actually cleaned the fur. Just actually Ashley Cummings was there with the club soda. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then they're just sort of, like, needlessly close together on the desk. If you look closely, you can see a little mm-hmm. bit of Adam's apple action on Jack. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I was I was watching closely. Let the record show. <laughs> um, and they discuss... Miss Fisher wants to see Roland's war record. Surprise! Jack's already got him. <laughs> what, a, what a good team. Oh, yeah. Um, and the records reveal that he was wounded in battle, died en route to the hospital. Um, and then Miss Fisher also mentions that Roland wasn't a very nice boy. He just knew how to play him, and he was manipulating on Prudence into thinking that he was a nice boy. But he was actually throwing lizard right. guts. Gross. Anyways, it seems like later in life he went on to far worse things, so. Mm-hmm. Um, they also get the name of the man who wrote the dispatch report. Or the medical report. So, it's a clue! Ooh, was it, it's Percy, right? Yeah, Percy. I think it sounds like a job for Sus and Bert. <laughs> <laughs> Who, back at the ranch, are reading up on spiritualism. Yes, like they got a book out of the library about the yes. tricks of the trade of hucksters. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Miss Fisher sends them to find Percy, this stretcher bearer who signed the report. Um, and Bert seems to think this guy's probably just, like, a real dickhead. Um, and well, it's because he, he's a conscientious objector. Yeah. So I, Bert just gets really fired up about it. Ugh. I had to look this up, because he keeps calling him a conchie, and I didn't know what that meant. And 
and then he refers to Bert as a digger, and I had to look that up. Conchie yeah. is a conscientious objector. Digger means soldier. Is that because they were in trenches? Probably. I was wondering about that, too, but I didn't look it up. Yeah, it's Australian slang. Hmm. Yep. Um, so they go to, like, what I think is a mechanic shop. Yeah. And they find Percy there, and Bert just insults the hell out of him, right to his face. He just, like, immediately starts hassling him. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Bert, but also, if I knew him in real life, I'd be like, oh, you are such an asshole. <laughs> also, like, okay, being a conscientious objector, like, that probably took its own kind of courage, and he still was in the war, and, like, playing a pretty important role of, like, take you know, being a medic, like, what, I don't get what's wrong with that. Yeah. That's because I am, you know, a, a liberal, like, weenie. So. <laughs> yes, well, the definition of masculinity has changed very much in a hundred years, you know? So, back then, you just had to be a big man with a gun, I guess. I guess. Um, also, <clears throat> Bert starts hassling him, but the guy is, like, a foot taller than Bert, and then just punches him in the face. Oh, yes. <laughs> thought was kind of fun. Oh, I love it. And then I love when Cess tells him basically that he deserved it. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, why did he punch me? And Cess is like, um, you started a fight? <laughs> How about all those unsolicited insults you served up? <laughs> Bert makes some comment about, like, he doesn't seem that peaceful. Yeah. Um, so, lesson learned there, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, so then Miss Fisher goes to talk to Percy, who shockingly still seems willing to talk, to speak to her. Um, and Ro Percy confirms that Roland was in fact a piece of shit, um, who basically char led the charge of the whole battalion to their death, pretty much. Um, but his story doesn't make a ton of sense, and he's also obviously lying. You can tell. Yes. Yeah. And he, he of course, claims that the report is true, that Freddie carried Roland's body out, and, um... Also, that somebody finished Freddy off with a pistol, which would mean that it would have had to have been an officer. Because only officers right. carry and, pistols. And Percy's just like, oh yeah, it was probably one of the Germans, like, finishing him off. And Franny is, like, kind of onto the fact that he's lying, I think. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that he actually doesn't know what happened. It's later revealed that he doesn't know who shot him. Right? Like... Right, he assumes it's Freddy, because he hears the pistol shot, and he sees Freddy carrying him off the battlefield. So he does, he, like, definitely falsifies the medical records, because he claims that he died on the way to hospital, not that he was already dead from yeah. the pistol shot. But I think it was just because he, well, and we see a flashback where Roland is, like, specifically bullying Percy, so I think he was just kind of like, yeah, well, I'm sure he had his reasons, and didn't want to, like, report it. Right, so. that makes sense. So then we go back to the station, uh, where, I mean, Miss Fisher is just cruising around the city at a rapid rate. Like, is there traffic in Melbourne in this day and in this time? You know, there must have been. Well, not when you're cruising around in Hispano Suiza, where everyone gets out of your way and you can go top speed of 85, yeah, or 65. I, I just feel like this street would be clogged with, like, horse-drawn carriages and shit. I don't know. Overturned fruit carts. Well, I mean, we don't have, like, a, a timer on her. This might have taken her half an hour. It might have, yeah. So then back at City South, uh, Jack and Miss Fisher are theorizing that Freddy did kill Roland, traumatically lost the memory. Um, and then on the gravedigger front, a crowbar was found in the rhododendrons. 
I think, like, why just discard the crowbar and crowbar and the rhododendrons? Like, of all the places, why not carry it a mile away and drop it in the river or something? Like, come on. Well, she was in a panic. She like accidentally killed a man. I don't think she's thinking clearly. Yeah, um, I guess so. So then, um, looking at photos, Miss Fisher ascertains that the tomb door, tomb, whatever it is, the, I don't know, the little hut where this dude's... I think it's called a mausoleum. Mausoleum. <laughs> so, Miss Fisher discovers that the mausoleum door was open when Potts was struck because of the blood spatter pattern. Um, more the- more blood spatter analysis from Miss Fisher. <laughs> uh, she should start charging for her services and, and start testifying in court as an expert witness. Well, you know, she does charge for her services as a detective, although I'm not sure that anyone officially hires her in this case. No. Also, it's just one of those things, like, Hercule Perot does this too, where it's like, they're always just taking on cases for free. And I'm like, all right, you need to start charging people. This is not a viable business model to be doing all this work pro bono. Yeah. Well, at least in Miss Fisher's case, she has family money. True. Um, and I would also like to note at this time that um, the crowbar is rated the number one best weapon to have in case of a zombie apocalypse situation. I can't remember exactly why, but I think because it's easy to wield by anyone um, and you don't need any ammunition. Where does this rating come from and why do you know that? The internet. And I know it because Dan always says so whenever anyone mentions a crowbar. <laughs> Great. Okay. Yes. Now we all know. <laughs> Um, um, they also, in this, determined that the mausoleum wasn't broken into, so it must have been someone with a key who got inside. And in this scene, um, Maud tries to shush Freddy from telling the whole story, um, and he insists, and he's, he's still angry with Roland about what happened. He blames Roland for everyone's death um, in that battle, and he fears that he did something in the heat of the moment, um, he needs to, they need another seance so that Mrs. Bull Wetzit can get the truth. And he wants Jack at the seance. And you know why that is? Why? Because Miss Fisher and Jack need to hold hands. It's a convenient excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm glad that Freddie invites Jack to the seance. I just don't quite understand it. Especially if he, like, is thinking that he killed Roland. Why would he want the police to know? I think if he thinks that he killed Roland, maybe he longs for justice. Like, you know, he doesn't just want the truth to come yeah, out. He want, he yeah. feels guilty and he wants to be punished. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that would explain why he wants Jack the seance, but... Yeah. And not just because he senses the intense sexual tension between Jack and Franny and he wants the, some skin-to-skin contact. Well, maybe that, too. I mean, everyone does seem to be catching on to that in this episode, so... Yeah. Maybe it's Freddy's last kindness to, to Franny. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Somehow I doubt it. <laughs> oh, but maybe they can just hold hands, like, just in the in regular life. Yes. Um, well, so, just quickly before seance take two, we go back to the cemetery where there's been another break-in at the tomb, um, and Squeamish Hugh doesn't really want to look inside <laughs> that big marble coffin. Uh, and then also the, the cemetery dude, the, that's literally what I wrote in my notes, the cemetery dude, I don't know, he's like a guard, a graveyard guard. Uh, he's a slippery little fish, and he doesn't have time to guard the client crime scene. He's busy. What could it be? A clue. A clue. <laughs> um, also, I I feel like also it's not really his job to guard the crime scene. Yeah, and also, you know what? It's like, not a clue. It's foreshadowing. I'm getting my things wrong here. 
Come on, Mackenzie. Ugh, I'm losing my touch. We've been over this. I never had the touch. <laughs> <laughs> we, we also haven't been over this, whatever this is. Yeah, well, it's my inattention to the details of the murder is what we've often been over. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Um. All right. So then we go to seance take two. Back at the ranch. Seance <laughs> And Friday and Jack are holding hands. Ooh! Less screen time than it deserves, but definite amount of screen time. I do feel like there are some, uh, there are some loaded glances, though. Like, Warwick Hamilton is like... Yes. He's Once again, he smells blood in, in the water. Yeah. I have in my notes that he's making eyes at Friday. 100% making eyes, yes. Um, so then Mrs. Balkonsky goes, is under the influence of the spirit, spirit world, and is speaking as Roland and say, keeps saying that Basil is here too, which is definitely foreshadowing. Basil? Um, <laughs> Basil! <laughs> so then we get a flashback to a young man, presumably Basil, caught in a wire, like in barbed wire, and he's calling for help, calling for help, and then he gets shot and dies. Yes. Um... And then Mrs. Balkonsky says, you remember now. And Freddy says, yes, I could have saved him. So it's sort of like Freddy, in the flashback, we see Freddy kind of like rolling on the, the ground, yelling for a stretcher. Basil is in the in the wire caught. And like Freddy's just sort of like in a in a panic, not knowing what to do. I mean, it's a bit um, thin. Could Freddy really have saved him? Like, I, what are the chances that he would yeah, have made it all I, over there? I don't know. But then he tells Roland that he blames himself for not saving either of them. Also, how um, how did he get so tangled up in that barbed wire? Like, how how did that happen? Well, I mean, it's like the heat of battle. He's probably running. Probably he, maybe there's a blast and he got thrown backwards and got caught in the wire. Couldn't he have just know. ripped himself free? It just, it was like wrapped around his body. I was like, how did you get into this? You know, it's like when your cat gets like just totally tangled up in something and you're like, really? How did you manage this? Except it's nothing like that. It was like a terrible, brutal warfare. Or a depiction of one in a fictitious show. <laughs> True. This is not actual footage from World War One. I don't think. <laughs> um, so then, Freddy also says that he definitely wanted Roland dead for sending the men over that day. And then Mrs. Or I don't know if Freddie says that or Mrs. Balkonsky as Roland says that, but anyways, it's it's established that basically like Roland was a big jerk and you know bully and was reckless with his men's lives and Freddie didn't respect that about him. Um, I was just gonna say that I have in my notes that it is Freddie who admits he wanted to kill Roland. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I I think in this scene, it's like Freddie is pretty much like, trying to remember if he killed Roland, because he thinks that he might have. And then Mrs. Balkonsky recites a poem, which was, apparently Roland was not only a big bully and a jerk, but a poet. A sensitive poet who loved the moon. Yeah, I guess. Also, she um, she does, Mrs. Balkonsky does say as Roland that Freddie didn't kill him. So that's, like, just taken oh, as fact for the rest of the episode, despite the fact that she's just, like, a fucking huckster. <laughs> She was actually possessed with Roland's spirit. Mackenzie. Sounds like she was possessed believe. with Basil's spirit. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Whoa, anyway. whoa. <laughs> um, so then she recites this poem and then Prudence pulls and then she kind of collapses. Yes. And Prudence pulls out the very same poem from her handbag. And it was one of the last that Roland w wrote. Um, 
So then Mrs. Balkonsky revives herself and says that the only way to, like, clear the air and get forgiveness is to go to the grave when the moon is full and drink the virgin's tears. <laughs> and then Warwick conveniently whips out a vial of virgin's tears. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think also Mrs. or Aunt Prudence mentions in this scene that she keeps it the poem with her at all times. Yes. Except, of course, for when Mrs. Balkonsky is fishing it out of her handbag to read and memorize it, presumably. Well, I don't think we ever establish how Mrs. Balkonsky got the poem, because Maud also Yeah, Maud also. Maud recited it to her as well, but... Yeah. Um, also, like, how weird or, is that to, like, carry around a poem all the time? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, I have poems that I love and that sometimes I will read when I want to read them, but I don't carry them in my purse. Yeah, well, I actually do carry around a copy of the Shel Silverstein classic about Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout, who would not take the garbage out. <laughs> that one I do have <laughs> in my back pocket at all times. So I never knew this. I've known you for a long time. I never knew that about you. Fascinating. It's, I mean, it's a moving poem. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so anyways, then... Jack, Friday, and Hugh. Hugh shows up to report on the grave robbing, the second grave robbing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a little conference about that. And in a, so they know that Roland's medals are missing from the grave, but they don't really know what else is missing. Um, so they're, they're like, we'll have to get an inventory of everything that was in the casket. And then Prudence comes and asks Jack if he's impressed with Mrs. Volkonsky. Oh, God. <laughs> And I don't think he is. I Science point Jack, to know. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, no one should go near the cemetery because it's been robbed and the body will be exhumed. And you can just hear in Jack's head that, you know, and those virgin tears are bullshit. But he doesn't say that out loud to his, his credit. No, he knows when to hold it in. So then Phryne gets out her little, her little flirting... Uh, investigative tactics. Oh, yes. Sleuthing by seduction. An old trick. Yes. An old trick. Um, and so Phryne asks Warwick about the poem over drinks. Kind of saying, like, yeah, okay, well, you probably took that poem from Prudence's bag. And he says he didn't. And then heavy flirting ensues, and they talk about the energy between two people. A bit of parlor romance. And then they take that energy right into the bedchamber. Ugh, which is, I mean, can we talk briefly about the energy between two people, namely Jack and Phryne, which is so <sighs> frequently exhibited in, the par- exhibited in the parlor, and they never take it right to the bedchamber. Ugh. Anyway. It's a real disappointment. Maybe, maybe in the movie. Maybe in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping. Yeah. Well, they pretty um, much but... have to, so... <laughs> Uh, they don't. I don't think they do, but... We're all going to be really upset if they don't. <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. Anyway. <sighs> anyway, so smooching ensues. Smooching. And then, of course, <laughs> Friday just gets right back to the investigating. Just hard turn from kissing and seduction to, so tell me more about the war, which... Just doesn't seem that sexy. No, but also in classic Miss Fisher fashion, she's wearing a fantastic robe. Oh, I know it has the, like the the back of it is kind of a V down the back, and there's little tassels. Oh, it's good. It's good. I love it. Yeah. Yes. So then 
Borg really tries to steer the conversation back to the sex um, <laughs> that he is interested in. And she just insists on investigating. I actually and really I, wants to talk about the war. I have in my notes, Warwick has a pretty hot bod, but she won't be distracted by it. She's private detecting. <laughs> <laughs> but not private detecting, if you know what I mean. I think that comes later. I think maybe they already did it. And this is like round two. Well, Warwick thinks it's round two. Miss Fisher thinks it's time to investigate. Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, I, otherwise, why would he be, like, naked and, like, tucked up in her bed already? Oh, true. True. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that definitely. You're right. I was thinking this was before anything started, and I would be like, that poor guy is going to be so disappointed. She's just talking about the war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, she insists on investigating and discovers that him and his twin were in different battalions, um, because his twin enlisted first, so, um, he feels guilty for not being there for Basil. Right. Um, um, and I want to note that I was quite curious about the actors who played these characters in the flashbacks, and Freddie and Percy were played by the same actors in both the flashback and the current time scenes. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, it, you know, maybe if Warwick's twin was supposed to be Basil, that they would have the same actor playing Basil and Warwick. But I didn't think they looked alike. Um, so yeah. I looked it up and they it's not the same actor, which is interesting. Um, and it's never said that they're identical twins, but he does imply that they have the like identical twin psychic link, which I don't. Yeah. Is that something you, you would usually say about fraternal twins? I don't think so. No, I think it's all twins. Is it? I don't think it matters whether they're identical or not. I guess so. Well, anyway, it's never established, but it's not the same actor. Yeah, he looks much younger. Yeah. Like, much younger. Yeah, you know, like, Warwick, I mean, okay, yes, admittedly hot bod. Like, I'm kind of not a huge fan of, uh, well, I mean, as always, I have to complain a little bit that these romantic leads are, or not leads, but the romantic interests are not consistently super hot. I liked Sasha. He is more attractive than the tango dancer, the, though. The tango teacher was gross. <laughs> yeah, not my favorite. He is far more handsome than the tango teacher. Yeah. And I mean, I think, honestly, probably if I saw these men on the street, I would think, like, well, that's a good-looking guy. But just the way they, like, style their hair and stuff, it's not my favorite. Yeah. Well, I think it's a contrast to Jack, who is always, like, smolderingly attractive in the background. That's like. so true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then on a further Warwick Hamilton note, I would like to just uh, mention that my notes app consistently autocorrected his name to Warlock. 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 <laughs> Warlock Hamilton. Yeah. Well, I was writing it as um, Warwick when I think it, it is actually Warwick, but they just don't pronounce yeah, it I that way. Yeah. Anyway. Um, what if he had a spinoff show where he was like a spiritualist Warlock? No, I didn't even think about the fact that he is, like, into, like, sort of pseudo-magical bullshit. Yeah. yeah, maybe he really is a warlock. War Warwick the Warlock. That sounds like a children's book. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, okay. So, meanwhile, the moon is rising, and Dot is in the kitchen, and the front door slams. <gasps> and keeps banging. Must be spirits! <laughs> the spirits, the spiritual link was never closed. Um, and the door has been left open. And then back in the bedchamber, Warwick is talking about Basil. 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 I always want to say Basil, but they say Basil. Yeah. In accents in the show. And then Dot screams, and she's been engulfed in netting that has been hung in the stairs. <laughs> oh my god. God forbid, netting! 
<laughs> it's a ghost. It's attacking. She's just spirit. She's screeching up a storm. Yeah, and then Friday blames Bert and Sass for this. It's um, it's interesting that she didn't see that coming, given that they were just reading a book about like spiritualist yeah. trickery. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, I mean, to Dot's, in Dot's defense, like, the door had just been found banging shut, and then the netting engulfs her. I don't know. I'd be kind of freaked. Yeah. And, I mean, in Dot's defense, she also didn't realize that a gentleman's club was, like, a brothel, so, um, yeah, she's just not that perceptive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then, because of Dot's shrieking, Mr. Butler rushes in, and then Maud runs down and says that... Freddy's gone! Where could he be? (laughs) Um, Well, turns out he's at the cemetery with those virgin's tears. Um, Guess who else is at the cemetery? (laughs) It's another foggy night at the cemetery. Indeed. And Jack and Hugh have been called because the caretaker heard some rattling and dragging headed towards the Claremont tomb. Mm. It's a ghost! Oh no! Um... So then Franny, of course, also is on the scene via uh, scaling a large wall um, into the cemetery and then just, like, leaps down and does a great, like, jump and roll (laughs) uh, or tuck and roll when she hits the ground. Um, And then Warwick follows much less gracefully. He sort of, like, stumbles around. It's certainly much less impressive. And you know what? She doesn't even have her black beret on, so this isn't even, like, action Franny. He just really can't keep up. Yeah, this is just, like, you know, another another day in the office for Friday. Though she is inexplicably wearing, like, evening wear. Well, I would see that, too, because, like, the, you, presumably this is after the, the bed chamber, and she's, like, in full makeup. I was like, did she put on full makeup <laughs> to go to the cemetery? Like, I, I don't Well, I, I honestly understand. don't think there's an, a single scene in all three seasons of this show where we see her without lipstick on. Like, can you think of a moment where she doesn't have a full red lip? Oh, well, yeah, in the when she's, like, investigating Warwick in the bedchamber. Oh, she doesn't... She has, like, a... She's not wearing lipstick. Really? Okay, well, I just made that up 100%. Yeah, <laughs> yeah come on, Mackenzie. All right. <laughs> Pay attention. (laughs) Um, So then at the tomb, or at the mausoleum, whatever, they find Freddy with the virgin's tears. Yes, they all converge upon Freddy. Yes. And he tosses back the virgin's tears, and then gasps and collapses, and then dies. Immediately. Far too quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Just immediately dies. Freddy checks his pulse. It's gone. Done. He's done. done. And I want to I want to just note that like the moment that little vial was slapped onto the table by Warwick Hamilton, we all knew it was poison. We all knew. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The moment it was produced, it's like that is going to be used in a murder later on. Yes, almost certainly a character I, will drink that and then choke and cough and die quickly. Yeah, I don't think a, a vial, a small vial of liquid, is ever introduced in a murder mystery or murder sh- like show where it, it is not later you know, part of the investigation. Yeah. And usually the method of the murder, so. Oh, yeah. Um, so then Jack picks up the bottle and asks Mr. Hamilton for the recipe and says he wants to hear it down at the station. <laughs> so Jack gets his moment where he gets to arrest Warwick Hamilton. Oof, jealous Jack. If I didn't love jealous Jack so much, I would be... <laughs> Has, I would be considering accusing him of not being totally unbiased in his investigation. I mean, 
Hamilton did produce the small vial. Yes. And that vial killed the man. Yeah. But then, I mean, in the ensuing interview scene, Jack is, you know, he's he's blinded by jealousy a little bit from the truth. Yes. Well, so then, down at the station, <clears throat> uh, Hamilton is being questioned, and Friday brings, casually brings up the info gathered in the, the sanctity of the, the boudoir. The sanctity Basil of the boudoir. Was, <laughs> that Basil was... Uh, Warwick's brother, and Warwick is like, I thought that was in the sanctity of the boudoir, and Jack just makes, like, a face. Oh, yeah, it's very flustering for Jack. Yes, he's like, oh, shit. I feel like there's, like, a full 15 seconds for him to recover himself. Like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. He does the, like, blinking face. Yeah. (laughs) And then he finally recovers himself and starts asking if the seances were rigged, and, ah, anyways. Oh, yeah. He's wildly jealous. Oh, yeah. Um, Warwick doesn't admit that the seances were rigged, but he does say that they took advantage of Prudence's connection to Roland to figure out what happened to his brother, because he knew that, you know, his brother was at, um, was there when Roland died. But he also points out that he doesn't really have a motive to murder Freddy at all, so. Yeah. Um, and Miss Fisher believes and, him, but Jack is like, wah, wah, wah. Right. So, Freddy is also making the case that it wasn't Warwick. Whoever killed Fr- Freddy didn't want the truth to come out, but Warwick obviously did. That was his whole reason to, like, get the seance thing underway. And she also points out that anyone could have poisoned that vial because it was sitting on the kitchen table all day. Yeah. Or the dining room table. So, yes. Um, I, I mean, Jack is... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, let that be a lesson to all of us. If you find yourself in an episode of a murder mystery, guard your beverages. Guard your medications. Don't consume anything that someone else could have touched, you know? Also, if anyone gives you a vial of virgin's tears ever, probably just don't drink it. Like, rule of thumb. Yeah. I mean, also, like, I think I personally would launch into a feminist rant about this whole notion of, like, feminine purity and, and, and why does it have to be a virgin's tears? And, I, you know. They did specify that it was a female virgin's tears. That's true. I mean, it could have been a man. It could have been a cat, you know? could have been anybody. Um, <laughs> um, turns out it wasn't Virgin's Tears at all, though, so. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so then Mr. Beale from the cemetery shows up, and Friday is immediately notes his watch, um, that it's a pretty nice watch for a cemetery caretaker, um, and asks if he stole it from a dead man. Mm. <laughs> mm. So then... He gets really huffy about that, but I think we're pretty sure that it was stolen from a dead man. And then Hugh pulls out everything they found at the grave, and they compare it to the inventory, and dun-dun, the pistol is missing. There was a pistol in Roland's grave, and it is gone. Mm. Also, I mean, the most absurd thing happens next, where the bullet is literally just rolling around in the (laughs) skull. I mean, really? Really? I thought that was too much. I mean, but I guess if it was lodged in the brain, and then the brain decomposed. I, I don't I know. guess so. I just don't feel like it would be rattling around in there. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it have already fallen out? I don't know. I don't know. I, but, like, I mean, I don't know. It's funnier this way, for sure. Well, but does the skull, like, isn't there, it's not like a, like a completely contained vessel. Like, there's a huge, there'd be a huge hole where your spinal cord goes out. Yeah, like, I think it would have fallen out of there just from, like, you know, 
moving around the box and then getting the body out of it, certainly that would have caused the bowl to fall off. But whatever. I mean, the whole, like, marble rolling around effect that they did was, I suppose, at least humorous. And then, like, the jaw... Yeah, there's just, like, your skull isn't that, like... Like, it has a lot of holes in it. Anyways. So... Franny's picking through the bones, Ugh. finds the bullet in the brain, uh, <laughs> or in the skull, and then um, Jack reports that Roland's pistol was a Colt, which was different than the standard issue gun for officers, so if the bullet matches that caliber, it would mean that he was shot with his own gun. Yeah. So I think we all know where this is going. Yes. So they bring Percy back in for questioning, and he says that he heard the shot and saw Freddy carrying Roland, so he assumes that he shot him, but he didn't actually see it happen. Um, he just assumed he did it, but he didn't report it. And he also didn't say anything about Freddy being a hero. So, like, Freddy is, you know, was given a medal for his heroism, he's mentioned in dispatches, all of that, um, but they don't really know who did that. Um, and then Percy says, well, you could ask his Batman. He helped lay him out. So then this is where we, we determine that Larry was at the scene. Right. I wonder if that's why Batman is called Batman. I think it's because he looks like a bat. No, what if it's because part of his backstory is that he was a personal servant to an officer during the war. But isn't he actually a millionaire? Yeah, but that happened later did it <laughs> no <laughs> wait no it's because he was it's because he was bitten by a radioactive bat isn't it probably but maybe that was also after he was a batman in the war <laughs> must have been must have been um anyway so they also have the toxicology report from the virgin tears and uh they were laced with a heart medicine um and his heart medicine was administered by his valet <laughs> roland took with him to war so then Phryne, back at the ranch, asked Prudence about the poem and asked if Maud would have had a copy. And she says yes, but so would Larry, um, who was a longtime servant of Maud's family um, and the only person she had left when her parents died. <clears throat> um, so Phryne asks if they're having an affair and Prudence gets really huffy about that. Like, no. Um, <laughs> but he does see herself kind of as Maud's like protector and a little bit of a father figure. Yeah. So then Jack and Hugh come to arrest Larry because they have determined that the bullet was the right caliber to have been shot from a Colt gun, not from the regulation guns. Right. So they come to arrest Larry for shooting Roland with his own gun, even though couldn't Freddy have also shot Roland with his own gun? Yeah, I I honestly at this point just completely lost the thread. Um, although, no, it's because they think that at this point they find the pistol hidden in Maud's suitcase, right? Or, no, they do that after they... After they arrest Larry. Uh, yeah. I don't really understand how they have put this together. Oh, no, 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 no. They arrest him because of the heart medicine in the Virgin's tears. Right, 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 That's right. That's why they arrest him. They arrest him for killing Fred, it... not for killing Ro Roland. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. Um, so Maud freaks out, and then Mr. B and Friny search Maud's things and find Roland's pistol. And we know and it's this is when... we know it's Maud's things because they just like pull a brazier right off the top. They're like, "Ooh, it's a bra." <laughs> <laughs> um, so then down at the station, Friny interviews Larry, which I thought was interesting because Jack is just like standing there, and Friny is like just full on doing an interview. Yeah. At the station. Yeah. Um, and then Friny says that Larry tried to stop Roland from abusing his authority 
Um, and so then we get a flashback um, of Roland ordering Percy around and yelling, and then we see Larry shooting him. Um, and Freddy sees Larry do it, so this is the thing that Freddy forgot. Um, and then together they carry the body off the field, um, and it it's Larry, it comes out in this interview that it's Larry who reported Freddy as a hero. Right. Um, and he says that, like, Roland was really a brute, especially to Maude, so I think he kind of, because of his protector role that he's playing for Maude, he really um, decided at the war that he couldn't let Roland come back from the war alive. So they then interview Maude, and they ask Maude if she thinks Larry poisoned Freddy, and she's like, no, definitely not. Uh, Maude does admit to reciting the poem for Mrs. Balkonsky, and she's like, yeah, okay, but his heart medicine was really just cod liver oil. <laughs> um, that's all they gave him for his heart. So Which is weird, because I'm pretty sure that's just like a, like a laxative. <laughs> So, I don't, yeah, I don't know why they were doing that. Weird. They also point out that the tears were Mrs. Balkonsky's idea, and she had a heart problem. Right. So this is where suspicion turns, pivots to Mrs. Ball, Ball what's it, as you call her. Indeed. And then they decide that the best thing to do is to have her read Jack's, his tarot cards inexplicably. And then springs, and then she's like, do you want me to continue reading your fortune? And Jack's like, no, I want a signed confession. <laughs> and then she's like, no, and she pulls a vial out of her purse and goes to drink it. Um, I think probably just to commit suicide, I guess. Yeah. Tear it away from her, or maybe just, I don't know. I don't think she was actually trying to commit suicide. I, th I think she was panicking and probably felt like she needed her heart medicine because her heart rate was probably elevated. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so she pulls a vial out of her purse and they sort of wrestle it away for her. Um, and then she flips a card, and it's the hanged man, and Hugh goes in for the rest, and it's all very dramatic. Oh, dramatic tarot cards. And then Warwick's like, why? Why did you kill Freddy? Which is a good question. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and then Mrs. Balkonsky says that it was for, ba for Basil, um, because Freddy ignored his calls for help. And Warwick's like, I didn't want Freddy dead. Like, I didn't care. And Mrs. Balkonsky says, yes, but your brother did. So she was commanded from the spirit world. So this is, Basil. this is so she weird. Because, like, at this point, what they are implying is that she is indeed some kind of psychic. And she really did communicate with a dead person. Well, no, I think it's more that she got really wrapped up in the whole story and was probably convinced herself that she was talking to Basil, but I, I don't think that means that she actually was. But how would she have known that he was there? Because uh, Warwick told her. But Warwick didn't even seem to make that connection right away. And like, how would, yeah. how would she have known how Basil died? Or would she just well, assume that Freddy could have saved Basil however it was that he died? No, 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 no. I think because, so... Warwick knew that Basil was in Roland's regiment. Right. And wanted to find out about his brother's death because he had always felt a little unsettled about it. Right. So then through his work with Mrs. Balkonsky, they kind of locate Prudence and Freddie and all of that. And that's why I think he kind of like maneuvers to get the seances. And then as Freddie starts remembering things through the seances, I think that's when Mrs. Balkonsky figures out. And, like, there's a scene in the episode where Freddy is like, I could have saved you. And I think, I don't know. Yeah. It's all a little fuzzy, but I think it's, like, feasible that Mrs. Balkonsky just figured that out and, like, 
was very convinced that Basil, Beth, Basil's death needed to be revenged. And I also think she probably had a little bit of a crush on Warwick. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So then we cut to Jack and Phryne cozied up with cocktails, uh, doing a little recap. They are so Jack- close together. So close. They're just, yeah, they're just right there together on the couch. Yeah. And Jack's like, three murders, three murderers. That's a personal record. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and as usual, she does have the good grace to be like, well, I, I mean, I hope they're, they're, I wouldn't hope for murders. But yes, I did solve them all. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and then he's like lamenting that he never got his fortune told. So Frank grabs his hand and reads his fortune and. It's a little over the top, but she says, I see a very careful man who professes to be cynical in the face of mysteries he can't explain and claims to have no passion despite a heart that runs as deep as the Pacific Ocean. It's a little much. It's a little much. It's a little much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you normally would get that from a date, you know. Oh, come on. They've solved so many crimes together. This isn't a typical date. I guess so. So I feel like she's baiting him a little bit and he, he acknowledges but does not take the bait. His uh, classic maneuver. Yeah, he's like, well, guess we'll just have another drink. <laughs> yep. Yep. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else, honestly, you react to a statement like that, so. Yeah, I personally would be like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I do need another cocktail. Thank you very much. <laughs> <sighs> Actually, honestly, if someone said that to me as serious as Miss Fisher says to Jack, I'd probably, like, run screaming. Like, that is a really weird thing to say. It's a pretty intense red flag, yeah. Although, I mean, they've been through a lot together at this point, so. I mean, he oh, yeah, yeah. he saved her life in the last two two right. episodes ago, so. Right, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it was, like, if it was, like, a Tinder date, I mean, absolutely run away from that, but, yeah. Uh, anyway. Yes. <laughs> All right, so, murder recap. Are you ready for it? Yes. Three murders. Three murderers. First, <laughs> during the war, Roland, Aunt Prudence's godson, his Batman Larry, his friend Freddy, ba- Basil, the twin brother of Warwick Hamilton, later Mrs. Balkonsky's manager, and Percy, a stretcher bearer, are in a battalion together, and Roland is in charge. Three men walked into a battalion. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, Roland is a big fat jerk and bullies the men. He sends the men out on a particularly dangerous charge where the Germans basically slaughter them, um, despite Freddy and Larry's attempts to call off the charge. During the charge, Basil is caught in barbed wire, and Roland is shot in the leg. Freddy sees Basil calling for help and Roland yelling for a stretcher bearer and panics and doesn't do anything. While he hesitates, Basil is shot by the Germans, Freddy, and Freddy sees Larry come and shoot Roland in the head with his own pistol. When Percy finally has an opportunity to bring out the stretcher, he sees Freddy carrying Roland back off the field. He heard the shot, but he didn't see Roland get killed. He assumed Freddy shot him, and since Roland was a jerk, doesn't say anything about it, and simply reports that Roland died on the way to the hospital, likely killed by Germans. Larry reports that Freddy was a hero, and this is passed on in dispatches. When they return from the war, Maud marries Freddy, and Larry works for them as Freddy's valet. Freddy refuses to accept his medal because he can't remember what happened. And Anne Prudence starts advocating for it and decides to hold a seance to help Freddie remember, of course, um, because she's in deep with the spiritualist society. Um, because of Warwick's connection to Roland, 
um, through his brother Basil. Um, he pulls strings to get Mrs. Balkonsky to agree to the seance for prudence because he also wants to know what happened to Basil. Maud knows that Larry w- killed Roland, so as Freddy gets closer to remembering what happened, she gets really worried. She breaks into the tomb to try and steal the pistol, can't quite open the tomb, and is discovered by a gravedigger. She goes after him with her crowbar, and he falls onto a spike and is killed. Meanwhile, Mrs. Balkonsky has determined that Basil, from the spirit realm, wants Freddy killed because he didn't save his life when he could have. So, she says the only way for Freddy to get forgiveness is to drink the virgin's tears at midnight, and then she laces the virgin's tears with her heart medicine. He drinks them and dies. Well. The end. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I still maintain that I don't think Ernie had to die, but the rest of it, I guess, is okay. Yeah, he didn't, but isn't that how life goes sometimes? Is it? (laughs) It was very, like, virgin suicides. Um, alright, so, worst outfit of the week? Um, well, so the the mesh shirt makes an appearance again, which I have previously ranted about. Yeah, you're not a big fan of that shirt. I kind of like it. I like it okay. I feel like it is not realistic for the time period, but... Who knows? I'm, I don't know. Um, I actually didn't think it was a terrible week for fashion, so I had a hard time coming up with something, but I did end up putting the cheetah print cravat because I thought it was weird. <laughs> it was small paisleys. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about best, best outfit? Um, I went actually for, not exactly an outfit, but the magnificent first stole that she wears while draped across Jack's desk like a mermaid. Or, I mean, mm-hmm. it could also be the, um, robe that she wears, but in the, the romance oh, scene. Yeah. I don't know. Either or. Um, you have? I this, I this week selected, um, I think I've done this in the past, just a couple blouses that I myself would personally wear. Um, she's wearing this gray blouse with, like, some kind of long flutter-like sleeves and, like, a little, um, like, frontipiece on it that I really liked. And then she also has a a white one with little, like, green buds on it with a great neckline. Mm. Um, so a couple blouses. And again, I just kind of wish I had to wear to work. (laughs) Well, maybe they'll come up with a Miss Fisher fashion line and then you can purchase them. I hope so dream um (laughs) all right what about your new skill of the week um you know i had trouble coming up with a new one i wrote down seduction sleuthing but it's not new at all so i'm not sure what did you have i had the 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 jump tuck and roll i liked that oh yeah okay well that yeah i think that does count that's a good one i mean we have seen her do it before but yes it was Um, executed particularly well in this episode yes was she wearing heels at the time i wonder (laughs) Probably. I I don't know. I didn't notice this time, but yeah. probably. Um, what about murder method? All right. Well, there's three murders. So I did 10 for the, the virgin tears at the command of a dead man. I really like that. Um, you know, points for creativity, virgin's tears. You just don't see that every day. So. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, is that, would you give that as your rating for all of them or? No, I had separate ratings for all three murders. Uh, I had an eight for killing a bully on the battlefield uh, <laughs> and a seven for accidentally impaling someone while grave robbing. Wow. Okay. Um, I took the opposite tack. I gave the first two murders threes because I thought that they were just a little pedestrian, like, you know, just bludgeoned. Wow, I mean, I guess yeah. he was impaled, but I, I didn't think they were particularly interesting or creative. But I gave the final murder an 11 for claiming to be possessed <laughs> by a spirit, which is pretty Yeah, bold. I mean, it's, it's a bold move. It's a bold move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So who had the best All right, week? what about... 
I put Phryne for the best week because she gets some action from Mr. Seance, as I call it <laughs> in this part of my notes. Warwick the Warlock, um, getting it in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, she, you know, plus she makes Jack jealous and, and ends on some heavy flirting. So, yeah, pretty good week for Phryne. I also had Miss Fisher as the best week because she solves three murders, she gets laid, and then also she finds out that Jack's greatest passion is at hand, and, like, I'm pretty sure it's not sandwiches, so it's her. <laughs> Those sandwiches did look delicious, but, yeah, I don't think that um, was what he was talking about. Nope. <laughs> what about worst week? Well, for worst week, I had Larry the Valet, or Batman. <laughs> Um, because, like, really, he's just trying to protect Maud, and his plot sort of fails, and it, I mean, I think she's probably gonna go to prison, so, yeah, mm-hmm. that sucks. What'd you have? Yeah, I had Maud for the worst week, because, mm-hmm. um, she accidentally killed a man while trying to rob her late husband's grave, and then her current husband gets murdered by a creepy spiritualist, so. True. Yeah, equally bad Not week there. Not a great week for Maud. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Um, all right, what about sexual tension? Um, well, just th- for this week, I decided that I wanted to change the scale to um, a scale of uh, Adam's apples out of five Adam's apples, and I, I'd give it four. Four Adam's apples out of five Adam's apples. Four out of five Adam's apples. Okay, well, yeah. I like I like this new rating scale. <laughs> um, I can implement it next week. <laughs> uh, I'm on the same old one to ten scale, and I put it at a seven. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, so there are definitely some, some heavy insinuating of their mutual attraction that is, is made by other characters, so. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, we're not the only ones noticing the sexual tension. And then there's not, like, a lot of super sexy moments between the two of them, but we do get a lot of, like, sexy Jack, which I boosted my score this week because of that. Indeed. I mean, there's def- there's some definitely je- definite jealousy, and there's some... The, yes. the, the tension is mentioned by a third party, which I always appreciate. Indeed. Uh, all right. Well, well I think if, that's if it for this week. Yeah, that wraps us up. Next week, we are reviewing Season 2, Episode 2, Dead Man's Chest, which I love. I love this episode. Episode 3. Episode oh, 3. This was sorry. Episode 2. Season 2, Episode 3, Dead Man's Chest. Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> Such a great episode. I have watched it so many times. When I get sad, I watch it. So Ugh, it's so good. It's so All good. right. Well, that's, that's All right. it. Signing off. Till next week. Okay, are we going to record this podcast or what? Right, yeah, okay.